All right, Bam, you ready to discuss this draft? I am. How are you? I'm good. You know, uh, had a had a wedding yesterday that went late, so I'm. Uh, you know. Are you hydrating today? I am hydrating. I've been doing a lot of. <laughs> I've been doing a lot. I've been doing a lot of hydrating. Um, How was the draft? You were there. I was there. It was a. It was a good time. I mean, look the the draft while being there is not as fun as it was. I would say about six or seven years ago, they switched from having the ESPN crew on the Jumbotron to having the NBA TV crew, which just takes away a lot of the festivity to it because, you know, you don't have Woj on there. And instead it's like Dennis Smith. And it was actually Michael Grady, which was fun for Nets fans. But, you know, it was basically Dennis Smith and Michael Grady interviewing players and having kind of corny interactions with them as opposed to what it used to be, which was, you know, when it was at the theater at Madison square garden um, or actually in Newark, or I think the first year, maybe in Barclays, you know, you'd you'd be able to listen to Jay Billis and Woj and stuff like that. So it actually felt like even though you were there, you weren't, you also weren't missing anything on, on TV. Whereas, now you're you actually really are missing what people are saying because the analysis while you're there on the screen is just so poor from the NBA TV crew. Let's be honest; it used to also be, I have a trade to announce. Now, like it's on your phone before they announce it. Yeah, I mean Twitter is totally. I mean Twitter has definitely changed it. Um, it was they also the setup was different this year. It was clear. I don't know if it was because of. Wemby, I don't think so, but there were fewer seats in the lower bowl. There was far more security, which was interesting. I don't I think it was because I don't know if you saw, I mean I'm sure well, I'm sure you saw that they had those long tables instead of like the circular ones. Yeah. That's why it took every guy like an hour to get up to the to see Adam Silver. How many um, people do you think were there? What do you say? How many people were in attendance, like fans? Um it was pre- it was pretty crowded for where for where there were actually seats. I mean so I don't know. I would say, you know, of the seats that were available, people were there. It's just hard to tell because so much of it was blocked off. You have like the other half of the arena that's that's not really um, there because it basically only takes up like two thirds of the arena. Um, but but no, I mean, look, it's a fun experience. I've I, I've done it a million times. Uh, I, I really enjoy. It. I, I think overall draft day is one of the most fun days on the NBA calendar. Uh, and I think we were probably expecting even more to happen that did, especially with a draft that was as hyped as this one was, where, as you've said uh, in our chat, we had three different guys that probably go one in a lot of different years. Uh, so it was it was uh, it was definitely exciting, but probably we didn't get the fireworks that we expected, especially with teams moving up or down, including our nets who were rumored to move up to, I don't know. I feel like every spot from 10 through 20 basically, uh, and ended up kind of standing pat, which I think is a lot of times, you know, the nets do make a lot of moves, but during the Sean Marks era, a lot of times the draft moves are kind of, you know, under the radar, a little, a little move here, a a move back, a move back there. It's never anything crazy. I mean, were you, were you generally before we get into the actual players? What was your feeling, kind of watching it? Did you think that they were going to move up while watching it? I definitely thought the day of the draft something would happen. Waking up the next day, I was like, I feel like we just got duped by like the NBA 
trade chatter. Like they have a vested interest, these guys, in hyping up moves because that's really what everybody tunes in for. Yep. Um, nobody cares like who the Magic take at six. They care about what their team is doing, uh, and they they sell you on the 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 transactions. So Jake Fisher. You know, I'm not saying he's reporting stuff that he's not hearing, but it's like how you present what you hear matters. So if he says the Nets are looking into moving Royce O'Neal and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and a move up, they've talked to Team ABC, like that could literally just be like a cursatory phone call. And it gets like, oh, you know, they're in discussions and we all kind of fall victim to it. So I I definitely felt like, oh, yeah, they're going to move up. They're going to do something. But the next day, I was like, honestly, like, yeah, this is probably what was almost always always realistic that teams are guarded. You know, it's hard to make these types of trades, and there, there was very few moves league wide, as you said. I think there was only what three trades in the first round, maybe four. Yeah, um, there. Yeah, there were. I mean, there were very few trades. I mean, the the biggest things that I guess happened before the draft were obviously the Chris Paul trade, uh, the Porzingis one, and then what's the big one that I'm now completely forgetting, which I well, feel- I mean, and, and those weren't even draft related, really. Right. Um, and then, you know, I mean, just look at this. So anybody disappointed that the Nets didn't move up, it cost the Thunder two years of David Bertans to move up two slots. Right. So it's like where we were in hindsight, the fact that I ever thought that they could get up to 12 or 13 with Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> that was never going to happen. Well, yeah, and I think, but look, I think also a lot of us are probably conditioned from the NFL draft where moving up happens so much more frequently in part because there's just so much more ammo. I mean, if the NBA draft went down five rounds and there were more people on a roster and whatnot, I'm sure more moves would happen. There's just a limited amount of roster spots and each pick feels that valuable. I would say like a third round pick in the NFL draft is like comparable, like picking the 20s. Right, the NBA exactly. draft. It's just not the same thing, you know, and the league is in this, you know, rely, you know, relying on these 20 picks coming in and being anything. So, you know, it was a boring draft as a viewer. I, I do enjoy the NBA draft. I, I like the NFL draft a whole lot more. I know a lot more about it. Yep. Um, and, it, and it is more important, you know, generally speaking, you know, the Nets don't usually have exciting draft selections in terms of where they're picking. Um, but I wasn't like disappointed. I'm not disappointed now with where they went. I guess we could start there. You're more of a draft guy than I am. What were your thoughts on the two players? Yeah. I mean, so Clowney was someone, so I guess the, obviously the first guy, uh, that we should talk about is who they picked first at 21, uh, Noah Clowney, who I was really, I was definitely intrigued with in the same way that I was actually someone who, who liked Claxton before the draft and was surprised when he, I mean, he went in the second round, barely. But, um, you know, Clowney at Alabama, I think he was, he showed a lot of what I think he can do in the NBA, which is, you know, hit a mid-range shot. Maybe he'll be able to hit a three. I also think we didn't get to see a lot of what he was able to do at Alabama, in part because the offense was so revolved around this, you know, transcendent offensive player in Brandon Miller, who uh, went second to the Hornets. But I mean... I mean, I mean, the good thing about Clowney is that he actually did average re- rebounds, which is something that that's needy. Average eight rebounds at uh, at Alabama. He was he was in double digits a million times. Uh, had a lot. I think I saw of, nine games 
it was in, in double digits rebounding. Yeah. And so, and, and, and scored in double figures a bunch of times. Like he's, and which, you know, I think, I think people have this idea of like, oh, it's a big man in college. So he has to average like, you know, 24 and 10. It's just like a lot of these guys don't put up the, the Frank Kaminsky, you know, like iconic college numbers. And, and that, and it also doesn't necessarily translate from an NBA level. Like these guys, are 18 years old and they have to develop into their bodies. Clowney to me looks like someone who look, he, he can't be thinner than Claxton because even seeing Claxton uh, like yesterday in a game, I think he played like somewhere, I forgot where, but a charity game and just how thin, thin he is, is crazy to me. And I think Clowney can both get much bigger than he already is. And I think Clowney's already had like a decent size, um, He's obviously too light, but I just think from a shoulder perspective, he'll be able to get bigger. I also think he's super fluid the way that kind of Claxton had shown in college. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, look, this was – I think that a lot of Nets fans were upset with this pick because they're like, we want, you know, a real center. We want a guy who can bang with the biggest guys. I mean, those guys were just not available in this draft. This was a draft that was predominantly wing focus, which is funny because it's something that in the past is never there. And this is a draft that had a lot of guys that can play two through four. And there just weren't a lot of true point guards. And there weren't a lot of, um, there weren't a lot of true centers. I mean, I, there obviously people wanted them to get James Naji or even, you know, the guy from Indiana, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, or like, I, I mean, you just look around or like a Gigi Jackson, who's definitely not a center. Also, he's a forward. And like, those guys just weren't there. I mean, you just look at all the guys that got picked right around the nets. It was like Hawkes from UCLA. It was Pajemski, who's like a six, four rebounding guard. It was, you know, Jordan Hawkins. It was Grady Dick. It was uh, Keontae George, who's a guard from Baylor. Like they're just the, the, the guys that the nets really, really, really needed were, were the center point guard stuff. That's not what this draft was for, which was why, I understood, you know, some of the hysteria, but from the same perspective, like you can't will a certain type of player to be in the draft. And as you said, even trading up for a guy like Kobe Bufkin, who I would have liked to see, or Jalen Huchafino, I think it was going to cost an arm and a leg. And I think there's other ways to get those types of players. Yeah. So we weren't, in, we're not in the position to be trading future draft choices um, to move up in, 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 in this draft. And then, at, you know, player wise, you know, again, seeing what the Dallas trade cost OKC, it, it just didn't seem like that was there. I, my my biggest disappointment, I guess, was that they didn't walk out of the draft with a point guard. But again, the Nets were not in a position to go into this draft targeting needs. the The roster is going to be reshaped over the next couple of years. Yeah. So yes, um, if you're saying, well, they don't have uh, the true center or the point guard, well. That didn't necessarily have to – they were going to fix that issue most likely at 20 and 21 or 21 and 22. Uh, Clowney for me, you know, basically looking at him and kind of watching more after he was drafted, I like that he shoots 65% from the line as an 18-year-old big. To me, that's like he can easily get into the low 70s, which is – if you're in the low 70s as a big man, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. That's a, that's a good number. Yep. Uh, the three-point form – looks good it's fluid it's a fluid shot he doesn't have a weird hitch i haven't i I haven't seen him take a free throw on any of the stuff i watch but i guarantee you he doesn't lift his hands up stop at the top of his shot and then flick the ball (laughs) like nick claxton he probably shoots a normal fluid shot that it's more about repetition and maybe some slight tweaks um slow delivery but 
it's a normal looking shot. I don't see how he can't get to 34, 35% by the time he's 21, 22 years old. Um, I think he's really a four, probably, hopefully, right? Like, that's your hope is that he can be a switchable four that can hit threes for you. You know, it doesn't look like he'll be able to put the ball on the floor much, um, but he can be, you know, just a smart, heady player. If that's what he turns into at 21, that's a good pick. Now, the, the other side of it is, yeah, he's probably not going to be a, ever be a physical five. He's going to probably have a lot of the same issues Nick Claxton does defensively, where if he has to guard a bigger guy, that's probably going to be an issue for him. But for where they're at, I mean, I think there's minutes for him next year, depending on what they do. I still don't think both Finney Smith and Royce are here, so that there could be minutes for him. And if he spends a year in the G League, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that too. So, yeah, that's I what think you're working at. You know, you're, you're work. You're drafting a few traits at this point. Nobody, nobody's going to be in the complete package. Somebody, you guys sent me that guy uh, Marcus Sasser the other night. Yep. And this is why, like, I would be a terrible drafter because I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I watched this guy's highlight tape. I'm like, why isn't this guy going like fifth in the draft? You know, it's like, yeah, well, he's right. undersized, right? So he could do everything, but he's undersized. Then you have the guys who have the size, but it's like, well, they can't dribble, shoot, or, or pass. So everybody's going to have some sort of work here. The traits the Nets are drafting is the length, the athletic ability, and the fact that he's showing signs of being a good shooter at that size. That yeah. that was the draft pick. And I think I also think that something that should be that that shouldn't go understated is I think you know look from a podcast generally, uh, at least three out of the four members of Podthorn are relatively lower on Claxton than most. Nets fans and even non-Nets fans are. I think Claxton has a lot of actual fans. And I think that, like, if Clowney turns into, you know, 85% of what Claxton is on defense, but can make free throws and shoot, like, that's a good, like, that's a really good NBA player. Like, I think if, like, uh, I think a lot of the trepidation that we have about Claxton is, look, it, it definitely is his body. That's something that I'd probably go to first. But it's also that I think at the end of games, he's, you know, he's a complete liability from a free throw shooting perspective. And you're basically giving away possessions and he, and he also can't space the floor at all. Like if Clowney can do those two things, then it does totally change the dynamic of the team. And the other thing is, um, and the other thing about Clowney is, you know, and this is the reason why I do like the pick is to me, it shows the same way that the Claxton pick showed me that Sean Marks wasn't going to give Jared Allen a lot of money. It, it, which was something I didn't want them to do. Like, likewise, this shows that they're not set on paying Claxton 18 to $25 million, which I don't know that a lot of us want them to do anyway. And so having that start to set up, to me, it gives basically tells me, all right, they have another player on the team who can probably be liquidated into two picks or one, one decent young guy in a pick or something like that. Because as you've said a million times on this podcast, like in this for this year at least – like Claxton to a contending team making eight and a half million dollars. Yeah, he's, ver- he's like a very he, I mean, good he's pick. a. Re- I mean, it's a great deal right now. Right, because they, they can basically get him without having to trade out the requisite salary that will continue. Plus, you know, the getting his bird rights is going to be big for a team that's going to project to be over the cap. Right. Um. And look, Claxton was a good draft pick. He's going to get a second. He already got a second contract, but he's going to get a legitimate NBA contract as a second round pick, and that's what you're hoping this kid will do or be an asset in a trade somewhere down the line. And every team will look for young athletic bigs that they think can shoot 
that'll always be in demand. So we'll see. The kid can totally bomb out. We never know, but there's traits there that can turn into something. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's pivot to. Yeah. Let me just add, I, I, like, I know Clay and was a big James Najee guy. Yep. You know, I don't follow the draft. So I'm not, I just, to me, it's like, I don't like the, like, if I'm going to get a totally raw player, like, I'd rather him be raw, like, physically. I almost feel like sometimes because, like, th- that it's easier to physically mature than have your skill set mature. Right. Like, if you can't shoot at all at 18, like, I don't think you're going to one day be shooting well. Right, exactly. Like, right. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, like, Najee has an insane NBA body, but he's not also going to be the first guy ever to, you know, come to for, – for every foreign player, like a Giannis, that people are like, well, look what he – look what his body grew into and look what he became. Like, there's, you know, hundreds of other stories where the guy didn't become that. And so – Yeah, and look, they're, 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 it's a risk either way. Um, the Nets bet on the guy with the skill upside as opposed to the physical upside. Yeah, and so, I mean, another pick that the Nets made, which, again, was completely upside, is Dariq Whitehead, who's a 6'7", 220-pound, kind of shooting guard, small forward, from Duke, also went to uh, Monverde High School, where a lot of NBA players are from. Uh, Had a really up-and-down year at Duke, in part due to a a broken foot injury, which he still – uh, basically recovering from because he had to have a second surgery just to, uh, I think, basically clean it up. And Whitehead, look, Whitehead was a top player in high school. He was like a, a five-star small forward. He was ranked as the number two overall player uh, in ESPN's class uh, for two thousand in 2002. Uh, he was the high school player. He was the Naismith High School Player of the Year, Gatorade High School Player of the Year. Um, and, you know, he... In he and that, as I said, like he had a weird college year because of the injuries. I think this is something that it makes it really hard to gauge what a guy actually is when they're this highly touted in high school and then they get to the the big stage and you don't know if the reason why they're not playing that well is because of an injury or because now they're starting to play against a certain level of uh, of competition. But I, I personally thought it was a great pick. Like he's he's to me exactly what the Nets should be doing at twenty two. Like. They, you know, they could have gone, for example, I was, you know, thinking of that, like, they could have gone with a guy like Olivier Maxens Prosper, who the, I think the Mavericks ended up with, who's like, just clearly going to be a three and D guy and is going to be good, but doesn't necessarily have any of the offensive upside that Whitehead has. And like, look, Whitehead shot 42% from three at, at, at Duke. And he also, you know, still showed some of the athleticism them athleticism though not all of it and it and in Montverde he was like flying around and doing stuff and you hope that he given that he has the same doctor uh and had the same surgery had the surgery done by the same doctor as Karis LeVert and Durant and those guys have you know not one been relatively healthy from a foot perspective have been healthy since then like you hope that the same thing will happen here so I'm I I just I I think it's just kind of a no-brainer move I was really happy they did did it and uh, it was actually one that I feel like I should have seen coming more so because the Nets were so familiar with the medicals and he obviously was such a massive deal uh, in high school. But what did you think about it? So did honestly, like I knew that this was a guy that like had injuries at Duke. Um, that was about the extent I knew about him going into the draft. You know, after they draft him, I looked into it. To me, it's a high floor player. He, he already has the NBA body. He shot yep. it all from three. 
I love that his brother's a 10-year NFL pro. So this is somebody that's probably going to be mature about the job aspect of it. Yep. Um, we'll put the work in. We'll take care of his body and do things like that. So I think he's a high four player. I mean, look, in, in almost every draft, there's always the guy that's like, well, if he wasn't hurt, he would have been higher. You know, like the Nets did it with Levert. It worked out. They don't always work out. Um, there's a few like that in every year. Um, I think the Nets did that with Chris McCullough also, right? That these correct. McCullough was all he could, you know, he would have been a lottery pick. He sucks, right? Right. Um, but again, the NBA body seems like a good, mature kid. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's, it's an upside play, but I do think that the floor is pretty high for him. Like of the two players, I'd be very surprised if that guy completely flamed out. I don't see that happening unless injuries uh, come about. And, and, you know, I too, I went back cause I had seen people on Twitter saying like, look at his highlight tape from high school. And it was like, wow, this now again, it's against high school kids. And so things are easier, but I'm like, man, he was flying. You know, like this, like I can see now why they said, I think he was what, the second rec- number two recruit in the nation. Yep. You know, Duke in general, it just seemed like they had a, a down year um, with everybody. You know, Lively was another guy that people were down on that went higher. You know, the NBA was higher on. Um, and, you know, to me, like once, so the whole thing for me was Cam Whitmore. I'm watching, I'm like, all right, Buffkin's still there, Hood's still there. And then those guys start going. And I'm like, well, why is this guy Cam Whitmore still there? Like, that was the one I was, like, really hoping would fall to 20. And I think the Nets would have taken him uh, with one of their picks if he made it. Um, but, like, who – like, did you have anybody else on the board that you were like, oh, they should – like, did you want somebody that they didn't take? I didn't, like, have, like, a – I wasn't, like, watching, like, oh, they got to take this guy. Once Whitmore went off the board, I was like, I don't really know – I don't pay enough attention to this to have like a strong opinion. So did you have someone you wanted? No, I basically, I basically thought that all the guys that, that should have gone at that point were already gone. And the Whitmore thing obviously would have been an interesting wild card. Like if you had told me that they drafted Sasser, who was someone I liked, I would have been intrigued by it. Cause he was someone that I had higher. And I think cool was similar and, and you as well. Like, clearly viewed him as better than what other people saw him as. And I think that would have been obviously interesting, but like, no, I mean, like I thought if they had taken, you know, a a Maxon's prosper or Keegan Murray's brother, like to me, those were just kind of like high floor, low ceiling guys that like we've seen come through the, come through with the nets. Like we have DFS and, uh, and, and Royce O'Neal. And that was the other thing that I thought was unfair about the whitehead pick was that like saying we have a lot of wings, like, what Whitehead has shown and what he's what he should be if he's if he really makes it in the NBA and not like become a superstar, but like becomes a good player is not what like Royce and uh, and DFS are like Whitehead is like a guy who like should be some type of real offensive presence and isn't like this late first round, you know, three you know I thought it was like um, who's the uh, he's on the Clippers, the two guard there. Um uh, no, uh, uh, yeah, I know. Norman Norman Powell. Norman Powell. Yeah. A Gary Trent, something like that, I think would be the upside for him. Right. Like, like a legitimate starting two that can get a little bit, get, get a little bit on his own, get you 16, 17, you know, play some defense, can finish at the rim, shoot the three solid. And that's what the upside would be. Yeah. And I think what you said also can't go under it. Like he's not like this guy isn't like, you know, a, a score with Cam Thomas's 
body. Like he's six seven, two twenty. He's like a load. He's really like cut and strong. Like he's gonna be ready to go. Yeah. And he's and not. He's not gonna um... say no homo in a post game interview. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I, you I... know, like that was like, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, I mean, I was fine with it. The, you know, the kid in the third round. I mean, the second round again. It's like. You know, if he ever, you know, you think you're looking at, is he better than, can he be better than David Duke? Yeah, I thought, I thought that was, I, I, I thought the Jalen Wilson pick was good. I mean, we'll see what he actually does. And it's also, I feel like Marks generally doesn't take kind of like the, the four year, like uh, NCAA star type player. Uh, that's not usually his bread and butter. And so I thought the fact that they took a guy who's, you know, I mean, I would assume Jalen Wilson's probably almost as old as Claxton and he's older than Cam Thomas. And he's, you know, he's, I think he's like almost 23 now. This he's 20, he turns 23 in November. Um, But no, I mean, I liked it. I thought I, it's like, it's another wing. It's like, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think that everyone feels like, you know, this team has too many wings. It's too many wings for, for so long. It was, we don't have enough wings. We don't have enough wings. Like, I mean, a lot of these guys, and this can kind of transition to where I think, the rest of the conversation like will go is like they they have they're they have a lot of guys on this team that don't have a future here and getting guys to replace those people is n- right. there's no- nothing wrong with that and, and i think that's first why off, you need four good wings on your team right because that you know you play two of them at all times sometimes yeah. you slide one to the four like it's it's you're gonna need wings and shooting and and you know they, they get it they added length size and shooting that's that's what they they think they added um and we'll see and you know the other thing in terms of like the trade-ups is we don't know what they know yep like we don't know like if the dave lillard thing is real and that's a realistic possibility then that's no so his agent would say hey and then dame's gonna make a decision and if he want you know he will you guys would be in the mix so stay ready that's what they would say right they're not going to, you know, or they would say, hey, look, this isn't, you know, he's not going anywhere. Like, the Nets may know one of those two things already, and we don't know. So, like, in terms of, like, wanting to trade assets up to move up, like, they may need those in a bigger deal that they're anticipating being a part of d- down the line. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that, look, I think that, as you've said, it's clear that trading up in the NBA is basically become virtually impossible unless you're unless you're so 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 gung-ho about a player which look a team like OKC that has a gazillion rookies and needs to hit the salary floor and also has a million picks so doing like they can take swings because they can take swings like it's just no one else is making those types of deals and and so it just it's I, I think that people have this idea and I was even included in because I would have loved to see them trade up. But it, I mean, what you said is right, which is that if if trading up was so easy, I'll, a million people would have done it. It's clear that in this modern NBA and I think this actually kind of gets into what we were talking about at the top, which was the lack of trades and the way trades are covered and all that stuff. I think a lot of these GMs are terrified of losing any trade, which is why I think there's been way less action over the last couple of years whether it's draft day or even like the amount of names that we've heard that have been rumored to get traded and the trades don't happen. And it seems like trades in this league at this point basically happen when, when, uh, when you hit boiling points, like a player, a player wants out, a player is an absolute disaster within the locker room. 
a player hates a coach. Like that's basically when trades happen in this league. And beyond that, I think a lot of GMs are terrified of getting roasted on Twitter and then having it be like part of their bio because, you know, there's only 30 of these jobs and it, it, it goes from zero to a hundred or a hundred to zero very quickly. And so you end up just having a lot of people being pretty conservative. Like I think the league has become, you look back at like the drafts that we grew up watching in like, I don't know, anywhere from like 2003 to 2010, you were having like picks flying everywhere. I mean, don't even mention like the nineties, but like, I mean, now at this point, everyone kind of just has the same very analytical math minded, probably a bunch of Harvard and Yale, like guys that are making these decisions. And so no one really takes big swings. You don't have Isaiah. Well, I was going to say you don't have Isaiah Thomas is running a team, but that's not true. But you know, the, the NBA, it's basically like nobody wants to be in the middle anymore either. So it really complicates trades where it's like, if I'm picking sixth, why am I moving back to like 14? What is it that you're giving me? You're giving me uh, another pick in like the 14 to 20 range next year. What do I want that for? I want the guy, you know, sixth this year. It's more valuable. So it's like the only teams that really can make those trades in the top is kind of like the Luca trade from a few years back where Atlanta was probably fine with either guy. It was like, all right, and we're going to get a, you know, a lottery pick the next year they're thinking. So it's just, it just becomes very difficult. And these, you know, the media, these Jake Fishers and stuff, they have a vested interest in reporting a million rumors because that stuff gets, that's what like the majority of NBA fans are looking for is just like the next transaction. It's, it's like taking over the games. Yep. Um, and, you know, we have to wait and see. Like you're, you're, you kept mentioning people complaining that we have too many wings. Yeah, maybe right now. But what are we going to have in two weeks, three weeks, six months? The trade deadline. You know, we don't know what any of these guys hey, are going to hey. do. Hey, cool. What's up, man? Hey, nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, he, he, yeah, my, nah, no private invites, man. I think you just sent it to the wrong chat. Uh, I realized <laughs> it after he sent it. So, because he, Sam, he questioned Mark the, uh, the text I sent, so I just sent them over the link. Oh yeah, no, I didn't even see it because I'm just I've just been uh, looking at this. I didn't even I didn't, but I didn't see it in our normal thing. It's all good. No, no, I think he I think he just accidentally sent it to me directly. But uh, Clay, we we already went over the two picks, um, so but we'll let you have kind of the floor here. What did you think of what what the Nets did? Were you disappointed overall? Go ahead. Um. I'm going to go backwards. Overall, I'm not disappointed. Um, I think there's upside. Um, I think, uh, for me, Clowney does serve a need, meaning that, um, you know, he's a rebounder. Um, I don't know what we can expect from him this year. If anything, I'm hoping that he doesn't go to Long Island. And you allow these kids to play. Uh, Whitehead is a little redundant if you're not making trades. Right. Because That's what we kind of said. Like, there's been that complaint that, well, we have wings. It's like, well, will we have wings in two weeks or, or three weeks or, you know, a few months from now? Yeah. You know, um, for me, even though we didn't take Najee, I think that was a, a bigger need for me as in saying, um, you know, Nick Claxton can't handle those big guys. And now that you see a dude like Nas Reed, somebody we all wanted. Um, I also think, I don't want to say Nas Reed set the market, 
because he brings a lot more to the table than what Clax can bring. But if you're looking at his deal, it's what, $14 million? That's a great contract for Minnesota. So 13, it's $13 million, I mean. Uh, 14. Average 14. 14. Starts yeah. at 13, 14, then 15. So average okay. 14. And that's a great contract for them. Great. Great. Um, And if you look at it, who was going to outbid them? That's the thing. They they could have waited, but they paid probably two million more per just to keep their guy and keep him happy. Because I think the market for him was about ten, maybe twelve. You know, right. but all I'm saying is he brings defense and offense. You know, um, so maybe he does set the market for that next wave for the CBA of guys who are contributors but are not stars. Um, my only concern with the whole draft and everything, and maybe people missed it or didn't really understand what I was saying. Uh, you know, this is from guys on Twitter. If you're listening, I know people was upset because I was concerned about who did he sign for two ways. And my thing was, and I said it to y'all, I w- I wanted him to buy second round picks. We had like $4 million. Even if that would have got us one or two, you're allowed to get your guy. So even if you don't use him on the roster this year, you still turn him into a two-way. It was too much NBA talent that fell in that second round to not have immediately after the draft signed people. Because if we look at the past, he gave uh, Alondis Williams a two-way before we could even finish with the draft. Now you have way better NBA talent and you don't make a move. And, you know, people are saying, well, they're not, they're not reporting all. They normally report the good talent immediately. I haven't seen one name associated with the Nets. Yeah. So well, you... well, so Raekwon Gray is already a two-way for this year. But that's the first problem right there. Yeah, so, so the, I I just want to say so we do have we do have one that I think that was announced kind of like in April or something. But see, for me, if if you've been a two way for two years now, it's time to move on. You're not he's not an NBA player, and that's okay. You can keep him for the G League, but to waste a two way on a guy like him who's had two years to prove something, when you should be courting NBA talent. Because it's three two ways now, so even if they kept them, you should have filled the other two spots. But yeah, I'm looking... I think they probably also do think though that sir, like I like you know I agree with you because we've spoken about this at nauseum. Like I, I wonder if they basically think we have a ton of guys on the roster right now. Let's see, let's see how it shakes up, and then certain guys are not going to get you know a second contract or whatever, and then and then the Nets will be able to give those guys two ways during or after the after the summer league. That's basically my optimistic way of, of, of looking at it. Cause I, cause I'm on spot track looking at the amount of guys they have on the team and they just have, I mean, they just have too many people. Like they have, they have 11 guys right now signed for next year. And that doesn't include Cam Johnson, Clowney, Whitehead, uh, Duke jr. Or Jalen or Jalen Wilson. So they, I mean, they just have, they just have too many people and they, they clearly need to, and that, and that doesn't include Raekwon Gray, which is another one. So okay, they so but you allowed to have 18 players? Right. Right. Um including not, the two ways. 
Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm just saying, I don't believe Southern is coming back. I think he, it is his non-guarantee. Right. Uh, I'm looking at, I'm just doing uh, common sense now. That's what I'm going to just say. This is cool. Kool-Aid is using common sense. If you didn't use a player like Southern last year, when you needed him and we needed a point of attack and a downhill guard, you're not going to make me think you're going to use him this year. Especially when it's the same coach. It's not yeah, like they have a like, new coach that's yeah. going to say, hey, I thought this guy was underutilized last year. You know, that's why I also worry about Cam Thomas. Were and you disappointed was... they didn't trade up? Just to catch up on our feelings, we, we've, we, you know, we both said that, like, we got caught up in the hype of it, you know, going into the draft, you're excited. But kind of seeing, like, what it cost OKC to get up those two spots that probably the, the, just the, the market to get up was probably either unrealistic for us or too high. Yeah, the, 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 but I said that before. Like, even when we said it and people, somebody said 10, 14, I was like, not with those picks and players. Yo, OKC <laughs> spent, I said this to Sam. I said, yo, they, they spent $22 million to move up two spots. Yep. Right. The Lakers spent four point something million to go from 47 to 40. Right. Four spots. All I, when, when I look at it, I go, um, you know, there, 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 there was some people you probably could have moved up for, but it wasn't going to happen, and it would have cost a lot. Um, I don't know how realistic the Lakers trade was with us for, for you know, like a wing or something. You know, I'm in that space as you ran yesterday, and people are like, the Lakers didn't want a rookie. Okay, you sure about that? They drafted one. They drafted like a couple said, of they, them. They paid to get up. They've also been. They've one. also been excellent in recent years in yeah. in in getting young talent and and then developing it. So I'm sure they were fine drafting a guy. My, my biggest beef with Gag Clay. I was just gonna say. Now we also got to remember the Lakers did that trade prior to the draft, so the draft didn't even start when they did that trade. Right. It, it right. could have been more or it could have been cheaper. But this is that the amount of the amount of talent that had round one on it. Or, or, or scratching that top 35 that dropped, it's just like, yo, uh-uh. They, yeah, I'm they want it to be in the I, mix. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Sharp doesn't have a spot in the NBA. He's just not an NBA player. And I said this from the first time he got drafted. So you, y'all know that. I've been saying this for forever. He, he doesn't have a skill that we can use. He's not athletic. He doesn't block shots because he's not athletic. He don't have the big muscular body that he had in the beginning, which was his superpower. He was like, Kevin Love, I can't jump, but I was a wide body, and I could get rebounds to Zach Randolph of the world. Now he's not a big body anymore. And his IQ, you can't teach IQ. And if you don't practice, these players will never get better by just saying I'm doing one-on-one drills. You could do any drills with anybody. If you can't have the reps that it takes to really work on what you're working on in game, it doesn't matter. Right. There's live reps and then there's, you know, yes, one on all. Yes. Yeah. There's, and and the I shot a lot ones, better of his hair in my yeah. career. <laughs> but if you just go ball and say, okay, today I'm working on mid range, eventually you're going to get better. And you don't have to take any reps outside. You're going to get better. 
So we were saying, you know, the, the one thing is like, we don't know like what the Nets know either in terms of who's available. Like, and- yeah. Like I look like just, I, I don't really want to like, go down the Dame Lillard path again, but like, if that's going to be real, right? Like that's a real possibility. The Nets already know his agent would have said, Hey, this guy's going to make a decision in the next, you know, 10 days or so you'll be in the mix. Stay ready. You know, they, they know this stuff already, or he, or it could be the opposite, right? Where they were said, Hey, you know, that's, I don't know where this noise is coming from. Dame is happy and important for all we know. Right. So it's like, it's hard to judge like what moves they made until the, the, I always say, let's see what the team looks like at the end of the off season. And it's the totality of the moves that they made. I'm, I'm just personally happy that like the Nets have some new young blood in the organization, which, you know, they haven't done in a couple of years. They haven't added anybody young. And I, you know, Clay, you're a big proponent of this, like needing those young, energetic legs um, in, the, in the middle of the season. And that's why, that's why you hear me sing it, allow them to play. Like, it, it's no way, like, and we can look at this season. If you gave Cam Thomas 10 minutes and a role in a system, like, see, a lot of things were broken last year. There's no system. Jacques Vaughn yeah, you've been here the longest tenured uh, uh, coach here, but this wasn't your roster, your team, your philosophy. Now, this year, he has no excuse. There's no excuse. It's you. You you walking in with a full offseason. You, you're in the kitchen with the, with, with the person. You're in the restaurant with the person ordering the food and saying what ingredients you want. Make it work. My philosophy about my, my, my theory about their philosophy is Sean Marks is what's my man from Dallas, Jerry Jones. He GMs as if he's coaching. Like gets the players he likes, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Instead of what's he the GM and the head and the, and, the, and the head coach have to be on the same page. I have to know what your philosophy is so then I can get the players that fits your game plan. And well, just... I also think like with Steve Nash coming in, like Nash had none of that, right? What, what was Steve Nash's philosophy? So I think that at that point they were just getting like the most talent they can. No, just, and that's, and know. that's fine. But then you need to complement your stars. So if you're looking at when you had KD Kyrie and even with James Harden, you got to get pieces that don't do the thing that, that do the things they don't do. You're going to need defenders, screen setters, rebounders. You need that. And if you, for, for Clowney, I saw him set a screen. Uh, Nick Faye did a good job. If you haven't had a chance, oh, his like thread. A thread was, was a good thread, especially for someone like me who doesn't really watch a lot of college. I saw him set a screen. I said, he already sets a better screen than Claxton does. Oh, yeah, he puts body on somebody. Like, you know, I also, it's a real screen. I also expect him to come in this year. So if he's 210 right now, by September, I expect him to be anywhere from 215 to 220. 225, easy. Yeah, I don't think 220 is unrealistic. To spend the I'm, next – I mean, I can gain 10 pounds in a weekend. 
<laughs> I mean, we look. Technically, you could do it in a day if you if if you got the right libations. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, ten pounds in from what is he at? July, August, September, October, to you know, bulk up, eat a lot of pro, and hit the weight. I don't think that's impossible. The upside is he shoots like sixty, basically almost seventy percent. So I said so this far. earlier. I love that he's he was a sixty five percent free throw shooter. Sixty five, okay, yeah, yeah, that that's right around the corner from seventy, which for a yeah. big man is good. So he also me, to the okay, Sam. oh sorry no no just to the point of I just want to go back to the point about setting screens like because people are saying like oh he's a Claxton clone like you can look at him already. And that dude, like, when he sets a screen, I don't know if it's his hips or whatever. Like, he just is wider than Claxton is, which tells me that he's going to be able to get stronger and put on more weight than Claxton's ever able to. Like, Claxton is, I mean, I was saying to Bam at the beginning of the pod, like, I just saw those pictures and videos from that charity game Claxton was playing in. Claxton looks like every time I see him, he, like, gets thinner and thinner. Well, like, Clowney doesn't look, look like that. Look at his father. Look at his father. His father's not that big if you look at him. Well, everyone said originally lake, that Claxton's going to get huge because his dad was huge, and I was always looking at pictures of his dad being like, uh, "Like, am I am, am I missing am I missing something?" His dad here? is about two 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 thirty two forty though. But so he's also it, a dad. Yeah, but even in his playing, he was probably that weak. It just was he just held it different. What I what I tend to look at people is look at their legs. Yeah, your legs have to be able to hold your weight. And Clowney to me looks like someone who can hold his weight far better than than Claxton. My only issue with Clowney, he doesn't his athleticism doesn't jump off the off like I agree. Claxton is athletic. Yep. Clowney is in between him and Sharp. Like, okay, I'm six ten, I got long arms, I should be able to dunk. Yep. But it's He's more not, skilled. Yeah, but it's not I'm gonna catch it at the top of the box. It didn't no. it don't it and, and and that's and that's why I wanted the center because I'm saying he was a grown man at 18. Yeah, you, you, we were talking about how you you loved Najee before. Yeah, um, it, it it makes like if you looking at it, if you saying okay, what is this team going to look like? Regardless of what Ben looks like, he's going to be the power forward. He'll, so he'll get the first the, crack at it for sure. Yeah, so if he's the power forward, Kim is the Stretch for DFS is the dirty grind for right the the, the three four him and Royce right they're interchangeable right. Royce will probably play more three um so if Royce is back yeah 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 you know I'm just I'm, I'm just saying we nothing has happened yet just that's right. why that's why I'm sure. thinking as it like that then your need was there wasn't a point guard to get we get that your need was the center then because he would have gave you the athleticism the anchor and the strength to hold down the middle. Now, he can't shoot free throws as good as Clowney, but his athleticism jumps off the screen. But I also think, like, if you're drafting Najee, you're not drafting him for, like, skill. You're, you're, you're drafting the, the physical upside. Yeah, right? because he can play right now. Like, right, that's a physical about, upside. Yeah, the, the Clowney feels like there's a skill upside here. Yeah, I think... When I think about Clowney, if he gives me Chris Humphrey's career, he's great. You give me David Lee, great. Oh, I would love that. That would be a home run. You know what I mean? Like, I do think we hit the singles and the doubles like we alluded to, Sam, with these picks. My question, though, is 
if Whitehead is everything he was before the injury, and I think he'll turn it around for the simple fact I said it in the spaces, um, he played on it. When Brooke Lopez had that injury, he didn't play. When Kevin right. Durant had it, he didn't play. So to be able to play on it, it's not to me, it wasn't it's not as bad. It's more of I'm scared to jump and push off, so I'm thinking about it. It's more. right, the mental hurdle. Yeah. So they'll fix it up. I don't know if it was a screw. You know, the intentions of it that did it, you know, the true like is it just a break or was it like a partial, you know, partial fracture or something? And it's just, you know, it's bothering him, like like uh, bone spurs. Yep. You know, I said earlier, Clay, I think he's a high floor prospect because he's already has the NBA body. I like that even while he didn't, like, have the athleticism that he maybe was relying on in high school, he shot well from three in college. I love that his brother's a 10-year pro in the NFL. So you know that, like, the work ethic stuff, you know, that should be part of his DNA. And, you know, just watching the press conference, it just seemed like a smart, mature kid um, that'll put the work in. I, I, I don't I, – like I said, of the two, I can't see him being the one that totally flames out. Well, I love what he said. I, I, went, I went to games when they were the New Jersey, New Jersey Nets. This feels like home. Yeah, he's from Jersey, right? Yeah, Newark. Yeah, yeah he's so, from Newark. You know, he left probably. I think he went to Florida to play high school ball, but yeah. Oh, he, um, remember he was playing with with with, with Sharp and Kay Cunningham and all of them. He, he's at that school, but you got to remember the coach from Saint, from the Patrick School, St. Patrick, Kevin Boyle is the yeah. coach at that school in Florida. In Florida. That was a great documentary HBO did on them a bunch of years back when like Kid Gilgrist was on the team. Yeah. Um, when does so? When does like when does the free agent tampering start? The thirtieth? Oh, no, I think it starts the twenty eighth. Well, the t- that, so the twenty. I was just looking on Spot the Track. Twenty eighth, right? You could talk to your own or the twenty sixth. So the twenty. I know that. I know that the the qualifying offer stuff for Cam Johnson is the 29th. Uh Okay. But so, and then, but, but that, but you're cool. You're right in the sense in that that basically means the 28th because it's midnight on the 29th, which means we're going to know stuff will leak out on the 28th. Um, about the own, about, about team's own free agent. Right. Exactly. No team is going to leak out no more after losing second round picks. Like people didn't even realize it was only 58 picks this year. Two teams lost their second rounders. Yeah. And then, the other thing is that let's see. I think the what's weird is so the Royce O'Neal deal. I have all the dates in front of me. So the the Nets have decisions to make on Drew Smith, David Duke Jr., and Cam Johnson on June 29th. Edmund Sumner, they the the decision of whether he becomes guaranteed is July 5th, and Royce O'Neal is July 10th. When when does the legal tampering period start? Which is so stupid. The, it's next the, week. The, Let's just say it's next week. Yeah, it's the th- well, yeah, free agency. I think like like yeah, the legal Those tampering period the starts the thirtieth. It's so stupid that they have a legal tampering period. No, just start the, the goddamn free agency once. No, this is this is where the NBA messes up. Once the finals is over, it's the off season. Yeah, that's what it should just be the off season. Yeah, like, give guy right, maybe if you want to say like, all right, sport, give the two teams that were in the finals seventy two hours, and then let's fucking go. Give them until the parade. Yeah, it's just yeah. like 
this what, what there's a legal tampering period, but you can't agree to deals. Even though I would everybody even, I would even knows take, you're doing it. I would I would be even take doing opening it up for them to be able to trade before the draft. Because if you think about it, if I could do all my trades and stuff, then I know my purpose of what I'm drafting for. Yeah. I mean, and let's be honest, there there's deals probably already agreed to free agency wise. Like guys already know where they're going. It's just like it's so Everybody knows it's happening, but they put this facade up that it's not. It's just, it's just like one of the weirder things. But you know, the draft was step one, and you know, next uh, couple weeks will be the real. I got a question for you guys. Out of these, like four people, rank in terms of uh, who you think is most likely to be traded among Royce, DFS. Joe Harris and Dinwiddie, because this is all assuming Simmons is back, Bridges is back. Uh, if you want, I can. If you want to include Claxton in that, we can. I think. I mean, he's kind to me. He's kind of like an anomaly in his own right. But out of the four, like wingy shooter guys, who do? What do you? What do you guys think? I think DFS is number one most likely to be traded. I would say Royce would be two, Joe would be three, and Dinwiddie would be four. Um. Cool. DFS, Royce, Spencer, Joe. Okay. You think because Joe is basically unmovable? No, I think I think Joe is going at the trade deadline. So what we just learned from the draft, and I said this way to y'all in our in a, in, a, in, a, in a chat, and I said that the expiring contracts was going to be valuable again. They're valuable again now. They definitely are. <laughs> So, so I, I think I if think the Nets make a big move, Joe oh, would be in it, it. Yeah. So if so, let's do the hypothetical. If you're going to go get a piece like a Jones or another good fifteen million um, point guard, you're using DFS. If you're going to get under the ten million, you're using Royce. Yep. I totally. I think that's. The best analysis so far. It's the, and, and I think it's something that Nets fans don't want to hear, but it's the truth. And cool, you've been on this forever. They're not gonna. They're not just. They're not gonna pay for an expensive roster just for the sake of being mediocre and having an expensive roster. Yeah, and, and first off, it doesn't help us as fans because that would hurt the team's abilities moving forward. Right, as, and so it's it's, a, it's almost like a player acquisition at this point. I think to get right, under I think the luxury the, tax. I think the Royce or DFS trade, one of them from an asset perspective is going to be disappointing in this respect that it's going to be seen in some respect as not necessarily a salary dump. And maybe, and maybe that's why the Joe thing is, is harder. And as cool says, some team would rather trade for him in February when the nets have already paid 9 million of what's been, of what's been given. But yeah, because, because that whatever, whatever the number, so let's just say halfway, he got his 10 million, right? Right, we'll say that because I look at him as a twenty million dollar contract. When when right. the team when the team acquires him, on their books, they're going to give away probably a twenty five, thirty million dollar player or another twenty million that got two years left on their deal. Right, right. Or maybe so, they're sweetening the deal for the Nets with a draft pick or something like that. Yeah. Um. You know, who but, knows? The Nets may not. The Nets may be in buy mode at the deadline, too. It's, but here's the trick. It really uh, depends on Nets, what routes they take. Here's the trick for Nets fans to remember now. When July 1 hits, 
now your trades have to be you can't do basically two players for one. Why not? Because I think some of the aggregated money now. If I think that's only those... if you're in. I think I think you can't do it if you're in the second apron. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, they'd okay. be the Nets would be okay. Oh, that's what. No, that's what I was saying. The money is no longer 125. Yeah, that's it's 110. It's 110. Right. So that that's going to tweak a lot of trades, you because to you get know the I saw money an article that they, match, they, I saw an article that they expect a lot of trades to be done between now and then because of that. Yep. That so teams are still can use that 125. Yeah. For and the next five six see, days, look, to try to sneak their deals in. And that's why you saw the Bradley Bill, and you seeing all the stuff at the at the draft. Because if I'm taking that money, I want to be compensated, and sometimes I want to be compensated now because this was a deep draft. Like my my only issue that I have, I noticed a little off topic. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, and that's confusing me. Yep. Because, but, but in fairness to the Nets, and I heard this a lot in the spaces yesterday, like. Well, like, but like, we're, should I don't we shouldn't know. Like, I'm. It shouldn't be like obvious of what they're trying to do. It should be you know behind closed doors, and we have to afford them the opportunity to you know to to show. No, us no, I'm not. So when I'm saying it, I'm puzzled, right? And if we on, I realize we're on two different timelines. So for me, we have a lot of vets. So that means we're competing. You can add the kids. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't worry about that. We'll recycle because I think that that last draft was a wash. It was terrible. So you need to flush that out the window. Um, <laughs> I think Cam. No, I'm serious. I think you know, I, I, right now you can't argue with that. No, it I was. It was Cam, bad. I think Cam is going to be used as a sweetener in whatever trade they make. Um, a pretty shitty sweetener. Well, you well, know, I gotta know, say though, like if you're watching, you give him more rope. Yeah, about cool, to say cool. That. That's like cool. That's like the the that's like the Splenda I find in my grandma's house from like 1997. <laughs> but on. I would say though, like if you're Washington and you're not looking to keep Jones, like like uh, uh, Joe Harris, Cam Thomas, and Pick, isn't bad. Like Cam can go over there and go crazy for them for sure. And that's and that's what I was gonna say, man. You hit it right on the head because for me. With Jones and Poole backcourt, you also got Morris. You also got Delante. You also got Ryan Ryan um, Rollins that came who, over. Who did they draft? They drafted wow. Bilal. Eesh. No, that's smart. They got their small forward of the future. Yeah, I'm, I that's feel they, bad for that kid though. Nah, but you know he's gonna play. He's gonna no, no, yeah. don't feel bad. He gets to play. So what if he loses? He's 18. The biggest. He be... Oh no, go ahead, Paul. No, you know, at, at, he shouldn't be looking to really win until about three years from now. The issue is this. Poole needs the ball, right? That's his best function. With the ball in his hand, shooting. He's, he's going to average 25. Yeah. And if he has the ball in his hands, then what is Jones doing? Yeah, I, I, I have no interest in Poole. I would love – if you told me the Nets made a move for Jones – and didn't do anything else like major, I'd, I'd be satisfied with the offseason and, and be, like, content to say, all right, let's see how this group does together. And then, you know, you can be patient you need for that. Jones, you need Jones and Thomas Bryant. I'm going to keep advocating for that guy. Yeah, but, like, Bryant is, like, a smaller move. I know what you yeah. mean. Like, you're saying, yeah. like, that backup big. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm talking about if they just made that one big move for Jones and, you know, they still had Dinwiddie on the team going into the year, I would be like, all right, let's let this group. 
reassess at the deadline. And I think they that would be a team that would be in good shape than to go make the big move like next summer because you have a foundation. I, but that's what I said from our, our first analysis. This is a yeah. two year. This is a two year remake, yeah. meaning that you do the small little deals, you keep your core. So and, and they won't saying, suck along the way. They could you know they could be a watchable product. Yeah, so if you say we was 35 wins, right, last year, without a backup big, without a point guard, and without any young legs, right, being serviceable, I want people to realize that Jalen Wilson is going to help you. I look at him as the Royce replacement. He's about that's, what? That's six, an interesting six. thought. He's, 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 he's about 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, six, I don't know. I forget the measurements exactly. So I'm just why I'm going in that window. Yeah, that, yep. He just plays the right way. He makes the hustle plays. He's not going to razzle and dazzle you. Got to remember, this man was the uh, Big Twelve Player of the Year, All American, and a champion. Means he's good. And his role is probably that three-four, undersized four, but I can play it a little bit in pinch minutes because he has post moves. It just yeah. allowed to me. It just allows us to have some backups where. Even if you got a star, you can say, "I, right, Bridges, I know you're worried about this, uh, this streak. Nah, not tonight. Because he's due. I don't want people to think he's going to be an Iron Man throughout this whole contract. Everybody gets injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when they come to the Nets. <laughs> well, know, one of the trainers true. left, so maybe, 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 yeah. maybe. They... But I think we're going to be for a pleasant surprise. If they if they do it organically, and if you draft two kids and didn't do no other moves, and you look at the coaching hire, it says we're gonna work with what we got, bring in talent as we go, but we're gonna develop the talent we have on this roster. I, I think that the Nets are not. I think the Nets understand that they're not in a position. Probably besides Lillard would be the exception because of the marquee name to not go whore themselves out for anything or trying to, like, smash the team together. I think they understand that they can, again, hit a couple more singles and doubles here through trades in the free agent market. They'll have a solid team. And they'll actually the, – the, the thing is the Nets have an abundance of NBA players right now. They just don't have, like, the top 10, 15 guy. That, yeah, that's, they, like, the next move, but it doesn't have to be now. They, they can. We win. have two and down. That's the issue. Yes. We have – it starts at two. I think Mikel is a is a is a good two. Great three. Yeah, like if you yeah, if like you a say, two point five. If you tell me you're a second round team, hit or miss, you 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 may go. He's a, he's a, he's a good two. If you yeah, tell think, me you're okay. what you're 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 a conference finals team, that means he's the three. I think and, he's right, like he was in Phoenix, basically. Now Phoenix, he was like the four or the five. Yeah, well, I, I like so it would have been Paul and Booker, and then Aiden. You know him. Yeah, I, I would say Aiden was, was probably higher up on the hierarchy there for sure. But you know, there was close enough. I would say you know. To me, the to me the downside for 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 the Nets this year, and I think it's like kind of what every fan base has this in every sport going into the season. The way that this goes haywire. Even if even if they're they're doing what we think they're going to do, which is you know kicking the can down the road, letting some of the salary come off, then becomes an expiring. See what happens with the rookies, whatever. 
the big issue to, to, to me, and this is why the Tyus Jones piece is so important, is that I don't think any of us really trust the coach as a developmental uh, puts the guys in the right place and 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 players play like unbelievably hard for him or whatever type of guy. And because they don't have a point guard, because Spencer is the very, very, very furthest thing from that, like they don't have somebody to to set everyone up and put them in the right spots. And on a team that's young and that has a guy who's, you know, becoming a star but isn't totally there yet and is also spent help. most and is and has also spent most of his career with Chris Paul, like it's you know it, it definitely it, it, that's that's what worries me and would keep me as a net fan up at night because that's where the season goes from we're mediocre or like the Nets were the surprise scrappy team to like oh shit not only is this team not only this does this team basically have bridges only have bridges and Cam Johnson it beyond that it has like these rookies that have no idea where they're supposed to be and a coach who doesn't really know what he's what he's up to. And that, and that's the, that to me is what, is what needs to be addressed. And I think that's why, as you guys are saying, like if they want to be the team that is, 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 is the surprise on ESPN.com for the first four weeks of the season, because they're 14 and seven, when everyone thought they were going to be seven and 14, it's going to be because they're playing really hard and everyone goes in thinking they're going to beat them and they don't. And they, and everyone knows their spot. It's kind of like, you know, like the Kenny Atkinson nets to a certain extent. But I have a harder time believing that when I don't think they have a coach who is a great with, you know, the the ins and outs of the game. And also, like, he doesn't bring the same type of grit and, you know, like the Udoka, Kenny Atkinson, like, you better do your fucking job type of thing on top of also not having a point guard. That's what makes me nervous. Well, I think that's what Kevin Ollie's for. I think Kelly, Kevin Ollie has been, a, 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 you know, having been a head coach. He's going to be able to lay into these guys a little bit. Um, bringing back Will Weaver will give him some X and O's, I believe. Um, but I, I, I just truly believe Mikel Bridges needs a guy that gets him six easy points, like where he can get something in tra- in transition, get Cam Johnson some open shots. Because hey, how about how about a young guy like Clowney? You get him a couple dunks early in the game. Claire, yeah. you always say the big man. Get him, get him going early. Yeah, that that that's cameo. That's the most common thing in basketball that the Nets the Nets wasted when they had Drummond. He's an airhead, right? That couldn't. <laughs> he, no, no, it's just he the is, truth. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an airhead, and once he once he wasn't on Detroit anymore, he was no longer the face of any franchise. It was over. So for a guy like that to keep them engaged, instead of taking your pull-up at the dotted and over two guys, go to shoot, drop it down. Let him get the dunk. He's excited. He'll set a good screen. He'll grab some rebounds. You give him four or five of those a game, you look up, he's got 10 to 15 points and 10 to 15 rebounds. That's how you keep them happy. And it's in the flow. You got five assists. Your stats look good. You might blow somebody out. Like the the worst thing as a Nets fan that I hated during the during the uh, big three or stars scary hours when we say it was fun, right? I couldn't. How do you keep momentum for this in 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 a, in a, in a Barclays? You can't do it off a jump shot. 
I've never seen nobody get excited. Ooh, that fadeaway did it for me. No. Yeah. You get blocks. You get M1s. Hustle. You get dunks. Right. That that gets that galvanizes galvanizes the crowd. Like it's just it's KD's, you know, KD Kyrie is special. Kyrie handle, you know. And you know in the moment when somebody hit a big shot, but that's not sustainable. Getting dunks, like watching the game on TV when DFS caught that dunk on Chicago. Yep. I felt like I was in the arena. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> like, like, no, just – and I didn't even have the subwoofers or nothing on. I just was watching regular TV, and it was – I was like, oh, yeah, I'm there. I was in, like, section 101. Yeah. You don't it, for me to know that moment because Claxton don't dunk on nobody like like how Kenyon Martin dunked on you oh. and then clapped the backboard. Guys, I was watching uh, old Boston stuff last, old like Boston highlights from the Nets and those series the other night. What, first off, what that. a different league and man, what a, I love that freaking team. You need that if the Nets just decide, yo, we're gonna run a little like you need the young legs because. You want to run some in that transition. Like, even when Durant was here, he looked good playing with the kids. He was winning with the kids. Yeah, that was a fun stretch. Yeah, that, that was fun. Yeah, yeah it was like that the only stretch fun was stretch. fun. Like, that was fun because he was passing it to DDJ and all. I'm like, just go. Do your thing. You saw dunks. You saw blocks. You're like, oh, man, we got something. Yeah. And, and it never materialized. We deserve that as a fan base. Like, I'm not going to be delusional. I told y'all I believe a contender is somebody who can get to the second round and have a shot to win. And, you know, people jumped in my DM and criticized me for that. But it's the truth because if they win it, they're in the conference finals. That means they're a contender. Right. You, you got to be, be in, the, in, in it to win it, essentially. Yeah. Like, to keep getting swept, Back-to-back, back-to-back years, it's like, here we go again. We saw this show. So, to me, if you can win a first round this season and add the point guard and the backup and have a system and let these players play, make mistakes, and they grow together, and you win, and then we win two games, one or two games in the second round and lose, I'm not mad. That's a successful season. Yeah, you want to you want to see progress, and you want to know that there's still a ceiling left to be to had. You know, not that like this is it. Like they because that'll get you stars. That's how you get the star. Hundred percent. People, people are missing, missing that piece. part. Right. People, stars go. Oh, hey, if I go to that team, I can do this. I can elevate them to this. Right. That's how stars think. But we keep thinking, oh. We just got to go get them. No, you have to win. KD and them wasn't coming just just because. They came partially because we had the two spots for them to do it. But right. with, they, with they a talent the base behind it. The pieces, yeah. And Draft it took nothing away here, from right, right. Yeah, it took nothing from the talent. So right. if a star know, hey, they may have to give up X, Y, Z, but I could go there right now, and we got a shot. Yeah. Damon Lillard don't have a shot here unless it's with another piece as as presently constructed. Yeah, well, I would be I would be sh- like I, I, 
I still say I would be shocked if he ends up here. I just don't really get what the point of him coming here is. Well, Sammy, this is it. It's only two. So if you really look at it, right? Not that I, I wasn't trying to open up the Dane box because we've obviously been going for a while. I'm just saying, like. No, so no, you, I'm not going to really open Pandora's box. I'm just saying, you know, he's going east. They're not sending him west. So if you start looking at the east for, to, for the assets it takes to get him and where he's comfortable playing, there's only those two spots. Yeah, it just feels like it just to me, like if I was him. I would just say, like, it's Miami or I'll just fucking play it out in Portland. Like, I mean, realistically, his legacy is not going to change that much. Even if he wins a title, it's like, it's going to no, be it with... He wins a title in Brooklyn? Yeah, no, no, but I'm saying, but he's not winning a title here. Like, there's no way. Well, no, I said that because you said it. Now, if oh, he no, no, I meant, with I, meant, other... I meant in Miami. I meant if he goes to Miami and wins a title to me, like... Like, all right, like, fine. Like, like he's he's got it with Jimmy and Bam, whatever. But, like, to me, at the end of the day, like, he's it, great. It, like, if that's the only thing that matters to him, then, yeah, he should go to he should go to, go to to Miami or force a trade to somewhere else. But, like, coming to Brooklyn, to me, doesn't check off any boxes. He already has every endorsement in the world, and that's living in Portland. He's already – he he loves being the center of attention there. Like, coming here to me would just, like I, – I, I think it would probably – I think it would be a disaster. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Either way, like I said, nobody is wrong with any opinion they have on it. It, it, it just, like I said, I would feel him, I would him, feel his, him himself, he doesn't, he doesn't make us a, a contender. No. Well, no, let me take that away because if I think, can we get to the second round? Yes. So then he just doesn't make us a serious contender. Let me say that. If he makes us better than the Knicks, that's a pretty good – nice He puts us a move away. Yeah. And you know what? Like, that's the best argument I've seen. I, I've talked about uh, Adam Areccio about uh, – because he makes the best argument for him. Like, that's the argument is if you get him, now you skyrocket to when the next player becomes available, provided they can get him – with some ammo left, they'll say, hey, that's we the got Bridges and Dame. No. If I go there, we can win so, it all. So here's, here's the issue that he has in Portland that he won't have in Brooklyn. If he was to somehow make it to Brooklyn, another star's immediately coming. Eventually, the reason right. why it's Even New York. Even if it's a, like six months point. or a year. That's a good point. That's fair. It's New York. That's fair. If Giannis and the Bucks have a shit year and Giannis says, I'm not going to sign coming. the extension. He's coming. He'll say, hey, Bridges, Dame, and me. That's a formidable three. We can take down anybody. Well, and they're supposedly close also. So They all work out together, allegedly. Uh, it's going to be a fun week, a couple weeks around here. Yeah, and but we'll we do well as season. Back. So I called last week lion season. This is posturing. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go back and listen to your mock, Clay. I want to see how many you hit. Oh, six. I did bad. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did bad. Good. Now, on my on my one I did that I just went with common sense, I, I hit 12. That's that's very good. That's great. I would say if you hit anything over eight, you did really well. Nah, the one I did for them for, for us, I hit six. Well, it wasn't and that's only because I took chances. Yeah, I was about to say you want you you told me beforehand you you said you were gonna take chances. Yeah. Yeah, because like, think about it. I almost was right. Uh, Black could have. Black could have went to. He could have went to Houston. 
Nobody had yo. You know what's funny? I had I had Whitmore at fourteen. Yeah, see, I like him more than most people do. <laughs> I had him at fourteen, and he went all the way to twenty. One spot, one spot. Hey, well, hey, look, let's uh, we'll reconvene again in a couple of days. I'm sure there'll be some news changing around the league. I gotta go meal prep for the week, so my fat ass doesn't uh, gain weight. And uh, we'll go from there, guys. This was fun. All right. Take it easy. See you guys, Pop Barn.